I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Another episode of A Little More Good dropping into your earbuds today. Good to be with you all. It's Dean. Zach. We hey, love it. Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> Another good one this week. Yeah, yes, we do. I think we do say that every week, but it's because we genuinely mean it. These yep. conversations are, are so fun and yep. so good. Longtime fan, longtime listener. Uh, I'll just let it, let it out. Uh, May Globus this week. Yes. Um, host of The Craft Podcast. If you haven't listened to The Craft, it's amazing. She's such a thoughtful... Um, just amazing interviewer that gets to the core of who people are, um, gets to the heart of things. Um, Ryan and I had the, the privilege of being on her uh, podcast and she just asked the most heartfelt, um, thoughtful questions and, and she's had some amazing guests, uh, Christina Culver, Jackie K- Kai Ellis and, and Joe and, uh, Caroline from Walrus and, Garrett G-Man, and uh, man, the, the list goes the list on. goes on. Um, about 30 episodes out, um, accompanied by amazing photography from uh, Louise from uh, Where They Find Us. Honestly, the photography is so good. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, almost like a little, each episode comes with a, a visual story as well, which right. is such a nice touch. Um, but it wasn't about May's podcast today. It was about... Uh, May's Origins and uh, May the Sound Therapy Healer. Yeah, we kind of flipped the script. She's normally the one <laughs> in the driver's seat asking the questions. And uh, I mean, it was amazing. She was, she's obviously an amazing host, but was like a truly uh, great guest. Very, very like an open book. And in fact, I think shares some things that maybe are like haven't been shared before, which is always, it feels like a real privilege in conversation when someone is open and vulnerable and shares, you know, information that has kind of been always just between them or some of their closest circle. And even more so in a, in a podcast format where ultimately that information gets shared more widely and that story takes on a new dimension and a new life. So, um, yeah, just really, really honored to sit with May and to hear some of her story and, and how her life has shaped her to the person she is today which is an amazing person. Yes. 
So yeah, tune in. It's a good one. Um, there's a little special treat yes. at the end of the podcast. Stay uh, tuned. We tried something new that we've never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Let us know what you think once you get to that little nugget at the end. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Um, yeah, what's what's good this week? What's happening? Oh, man. Well, uh, talking about May... She does the sound therapy. Yeah. Um, after and we talked a little bit about music and stuff in the pod too, and then I just remember after our conversation, I was kind of just really thinking back to like some of the moments where where sound has played like a critical role in my life, or just like a really key moment, or you know, we all have like the soundtrack right to certain yes. scenes or certain times in our lives, and so I just remember going back and queuing up a bunch of different songs on Spotify that have always like when I hear that song, it immediately transports me back to like a certain time or a certain space. And so, yeah, it's just like reflecting on some of my favorite tracks from of all time, really. Yeah. And some of how, what they mean. Some of them are just like fun songs. Right. Uh, even this morning I was talking to someone about, it was like, what's your favorite concert experience? This is like a random thing that was in conversation today. And I was like, Oh man, there's so many, but like, I saw Jurassic Five. Oh, that's cool! At the Commodore, yeah, with uh, Jeff Hamada, who may also like knows and talked about a little bit on the pod. We got to get Jeff on the pod. Honestly, we do. Yes, uh, one of the most creatively brilliant people I have ever met. Yeah, and also just like super humble and hilarious. Yes. So, but anyway, so him and I went to this concert, Jurassic Five, and it was so amazing. They were an amazing, like, hip hop group, and we saw them, and not long after they they like had a hiatus or like I don't want to say like they broke up but they kind of like put a pause on what they were doing and so it made it feel even more special that yeah. we had like just seen them and the craziest thing man like J5 had made it like they were it wasn't like who like they were a legit group came through the Commodore end of the show the house lights came on and they just like stayed on stage and then kind of hopped down That's and, cool. and were just like hanging out with everyone in the crowd after Oh man, I'll never forget it. It was so good. It was so good. So cool. Yeah. How about you? Is there like a favorite concert or like a song that when you hear it's like, oh man, it makes me think of this moment? Yeah, I guess a few off the top of my head. I used to be a real concert goer back in the college days. I guess many of us were. Yeah. Uh, Nick Cave, I always went, like whenever Nick Cave was coming to town, I always went because it was like, you never knew what it was going to be like. It Mm. could be like spoken word. It could be a jam fest. It could be like... It was an experience. Like he was a, a perf- he, he is a performer, an artist, like in the truest sense. So Nick Cave is always like leaves you kind of in awe at the end. Uh, Talking Heads, that was really oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my cousin's band, I love. Uh, if you're listening to this, check out, look up Slam Dunk on Spotify. They are one of my favorite all time bands, um, and their live shows were just so. They're not performing together currently hopefully they reunite uh but there's just so much energy and magic when they play live yeah so look up slam dunk it's also the best music to run to oh man you showed me them like last summer yeah and obviously so i've never seen them live i didn't even i hadn't heard of them and there's a couple tracks where it's just like it's energy like it's just somehow they've bottled this amazing energy so even just listening to the recording it's like it feels it feels live. Like it feels live off the floor. Like it's so good. That song Dying Breed. Oof. Oh man. It's yeah, like, it's, it's so good. You got to check him out. Get, get at it. Yeah. And then uh, Juice Truck alumni, Noble Son. Love that guy. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Also like 
an immense creative kind of performative persona, right? Yes, like yeah. music and and in many other ways, just yeah. a performer. Yeah, so captivating. Hit, hit up his Spotify too, Noble Sun, beautiful music, beautiful performer, beautiful person. Yeah. We should maybe like curate a little Spotify playlist or something of like our favorite. Yes. Or like jams that should we do that? Should we start making playlists? A little more good playlists? I don't know. Let us know. Would you want would you want to hear, listen to what we're listening to? Send us a DM. Like, I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. Hit you up with some weekly Mariah Carey, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So That's good. actually a thing. Um, I remember, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell who's saying like, the music that you'll listen to most in your life was what you listened to between the period of being 18 to 21. Mm. I wonder if that resonates for you at all. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Normally, normally my guy MG resonates, but yeah. I feel like, I feel like I, I still am like finding new artists yeah. and like, I do listen to a lot of what I listened to then, but not daily. Like I, more of the stuff that I listen to now regularly is stuff that I've come to actually later. Interesting. Yeah. But I love music. I'm a I'm a musician, right? I've played music and been involved in bands and sound engineering like a lot on and off, um, in like a kind of semi semi official capacity slash hobby. So can you play with like Coldplay or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple bands you might have heard of. I don't know. No, no. <laughs> don't Google that. It may or may not be true. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I did. I was in a band though for a very short time with. Uh, one of the former members of the Matthew Good Band. Oof. So if you're from Vancouver and you know the Matthew Good Band, go. a dated like cultural reference from the late My 90s. My sister was a big Matthew Good fan. She oh, had yeah. all the CDs. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Maybe they were cassettes. Cassettes. So there you go. Dater That's my claim to fame. But uh, no, so I'm always I'm always intrigued at like what's coming out and what's new. And so, uh, yeah. Yes, I still listen to those albums from that time in my life, but I'm still... I don't know, some of my favorite albums now are stuff that I've discovered later or has come out later. Yeah. Right? Like Anderson Pack, I think, is one of my all-time favorite artists. He's so creative. Ooh, what about a soundtrack? What's the be- What's your favorite soundtrack from a movie? Oh, man. You know, that's a good question. I was never... I was never a big soundtrack guy because typically I would find a song. Yeah. And then I would just deep dive on that album. Yeah. Because I'd be like, well, if, I, if I didn't know the artist, uh, then I'd be like... Who is this? And I'm not interested in like the soundtrack to the out or to the movie or whatever it is. Like I want to yeah. know, I want to go deep on this artist, their catalog. So I can okay, okay. Um, I think the the soundtrack that I've listened to like more than once, kind of cover to cover. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, was the soundtrack for um, "There Will Be Blood." Oh, okay. And it was Johnny Greenwood, yeah, the guitar player from Radiohead. That's right. That did that whole soundtrack and honestly watching that movie uh f- the soundtrack was like another character yeah like it was so intense and interesting and so and abrasive at times like it's not something you would listen yeah. to to be like oh this is so nice but i was so fascinated by like the soundscapes that were created that i i'd say that would be one that i've like i Come did back go back to but i think you nailed that like with good soundtracks like if you think of like the uh, Quentin Tarantino's yeah. or the Wes Anderson's or the David Lynch's, the soundtrack, like the Mulholland Drive soundtrack mm, or like mm. um, Darjeeling Limited or whatever. Is that the right name? Yeah, Darjeeling yeah, yeah. Limited. One of my um, favorite movies. So good. Amazing soundtrack or like Pulp Fiction or yeah. like any of those ones. Like the soundtracks do become 
such a integral part to the movie. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Cool. Sound music. Sound. Um, the sound of music. What do we got? What else do we got? The sound of music. Oof. <laughs> this week, uh, this this week's podcast is brought to you by Planted Life Expo. We got the Vancouver Plant Life Expo coming up. Yep. November twenty first, twentieth and twenty first. Planted Expo. Planted Expo. Planted it's gonna Expo. be good. Check them out. You want to be there? We. Uh, you can grab your tickets online. If you go to plantedlife.com slash Vancouver. Yeah. I went to this tasting event last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got to try, sample some of the uh, products that's going to be there. And I was lucky to be on the panel that uh, voted for the best of year product. And holy smokes, like there are some heavy hitters. Like I thought I was being like critical. Yeah. Bringing a critical lens to the table. But I was like, there were multiple tens. I probably gave it like five or six tens. Like there was like, and not just because you're a generous guy, but because it was so good. Yeah, there's this sashimi, this like plant-based sashimi that was the texture and the flavor was out of this world. There's wow. like some of the cheeses. Oh my god, there was like lemongrass, um, obviously vegan chicken. That was just like the spice was unbelievable. I just want to go there, walk all the. I mean, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to bring a big shopping cart to to fill my right. fill my bags because it's gonna be like all the kids you want to hang out with all in one spot. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a dangerous place for people like us who are uh, enthusiasts and want to try it all yeah. and have it all. <laughs> it's first, gonna be dangerous. First day of school excitement, you know. Yes, yes, it'll be awesome. The vendors, the uh, the exhibitors, like the list is extensive, so you can check check it out as well on the plantedlife.com uh, slash Vancouver website. Um, this where you can get your tickets as well. The other things to note: just some awesome keynote speakers. Uh, Who's talking there? Dr. Matthew Nagra, oh, friend of the pod. He's gonna be pod. there. Uh, the badass vegan himself, Mr. John Lewis, and uh, one of our uh heroes rich roll from the rich roll podcast Check it author out. of finding ultra and genuine uh great human being if you haven't read finding ultra it's one of the most inspiring books i've read and really and is. his podcast is just like the golden standard so if you're not a rich roll listener give it a go yeah um we can we could even make a list of like some of our favorite episodes for people to dive into if they have sure. have not because there's a lot of goodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like Doctor Mel off the top of my head, Doctor Melanie Joy, David Cho recently. Um, He's got a couple with Zach, Doctor Zach Bush. Zach Bush, mind blowing. Who's the uh, who's like the punk rock guy um, that played with Bad Brains? Um, oh man, oof, that's a good one. John Joseph. Yes. John Joseph. What a wild man. Of course. I actually just re-listened to this episode too because it's one of my favorites. But uh, the journeyman himself, Haxtau, oh, yeah. Hakim Tafari, uh, he's been on the pod. A great story of just like his journey, his life journey. and Unbelievable. So yeah, Ritual will be there discerning his wisdom onto us. The plant Power Way. The Plant Powered Way. Anyway. Check, Check it, it out. out. Check Oof. it out. Jinx. <laughs> I guess, yeah, okay. So I'll no, stop talking. No, <laughs> and Jinx. <laughs> okay, uh, let's get into it. Okay. 
Megalobus. <laughs> oh, jinx. Oh, my gosh. Ah, shoot. Um, Megalobus, just... amazing. She is, uh, she is an inspiration. We're talking sound, sound therapy, her story, and uh, a little special treat at the end for all of you. So stay tuned all the way through. And as always, thanks for listening. Like, follow, subscribe, share it with a friend who you think would benefit. We appreciate you all very, very much. We give you May Globus. All right, here we go. We're here with our good friend May Globus. Hi, guys. And Diener. Always Diener. here. Yeah, <laughs> holding it down. Wow, I'm so excited to be here, but I'm sort of on the other side of things right now. Yeah, so if you don't know, uh, May has, uh, well, I'll let you tell us about it. May's yeah. got a podcast as well. Yeah, uh, I've got a podcast called The Craft that I launched in January, at the end of January of this year. Yes. And uh, I'm 30 episodes in. I'm currently on a break, but rolling out second season soon. So I'm usually the one asking the questions. So yeah. I'm in the line of fire now. Right? Flipping it. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My belly's nervous. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Got I the feel, feels. I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like if there's any good questions that you have for Zach, you can definitely ask him. <laughs> I, I was I was telling him earlier. I'm like I I'm gonna have to contain myself. I'm gonna have a ton of questions for you guys. Oh yeah. And I'm gonna have to hold them back because this is not it's not the way today. I know it's all about you, but we try to keep things conversational. So great. Questions, I love it. Questions things, are permitted. If things flow both ways, yeah, we'll I try love. to redirect it your your way. But uh, okay, okay. <laughs> but we welcome everything. We can make it at the craft. Uh, yeah. Episode two. And it's my first time meeting Dean in person. So I know. this is so nice to meet you. It's so good. And it was so cool. Zach, you had invited uh, a handful of us yeah. to instruct people to come and experience uh, some of what we'll get into with you, some sound therapy that you do. Yes. And I was so sad that I couldn't make it because I've always wanted to experience it and mm-hmm. try it, like participate. And so I was like, oh, can I shift this thing? And I was like, no, I really can't. Oh, I'll and have so, you back in. I know. I'd yeah. love to. But um, spoiler alert. Listen through to the end of the pod because May has generously offered to, um, perf- what do you, is you perform like, or lead us through, I yeah, guess? Yeah, I would say f- lead, f- facilitate, facilitate. Uh, a short sound bath. Yeah. And so you'll so get, get to a try little, a little bit. A little teaser. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Doesn't but, that just sound relaxing though? Like sound bath? It does. I think it's just put the word bath in it and I'm like instantly <laughs> like, mm-hmm. okay, like, I can relax now. Just let in these musical notes. Yeah. <laughs> I want a sound bath with a forest bath. Do you do that? Okay, so yes, I have noticed. So I recently did a sound bath outside near the ocean. Amazing. And I could tell that my bowls, which are made of crystal quartz, loved being outside because they rang so clear. But it it makes sense to me because they're made of minerals. They're made of the earth. So for them to be outside, it it makes complete sense that they loved being there. Because you think like maybe you'd lose some of the acoustic environment of like a room or whatever. Yes. I was actually quite, I was worried about that for the people who were there. Yeah. Um, But people who were in, there were about probably 30 to 35 people there in three rows. And people who were in that last row said they could still feel it. And I think it's a different feeling because it's not like tomb-like or all-encompassing but again frequency you can feel that anywhere yeah we have noise all around us all the time that we're picking up we do we sure do Mm -hmm. i just uh there's there's a new there's a there's a netflix show that's out right now and my my wife and i've been watching it it's called nine perfect strangers i think netflix or crave maybe i I can't remember one of these streaming programs that we've all subscribed to yes but uh 
it's the premise of it is like these nine strangers come and they all have these varying levels of trauma or conflict happening in their lives. And they've been invited to participate in like this wellness retreat. Uh, and it gets, I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's pretty cool. Nicole Kidman's in it and she's an amazing actress, right? She can kind of take on anything. Um, and anyway, so these people are there and there's just, there's this one scene where they're in kind of this like dome Mm. And this one of the leaders, facilitators of the retreat, is doing like sound bath with like these very like singing bowls, right? Oh, cool! And it, I remember watching it, and even just coming through like mediated through the TV as like it's just a, a scene in the show. I was like, oh, that's amazing! And then I was like, oh yeah, like May's bringing her, <laughs> so I was even more charged up to like experience it. But, yeah, I've heard of the show, okay, and I've yeah. heard good things, but it's pretty cool. The sound bath scene is something new, so <laughs> I guess happens. I'm gonna have to tune in. Spoiler and, alert: There's and see, a sound. Yeah, see what happens. You're gonna get like every like sound bath, uh, sound <laughs> therapy, like pop culture reference, like yes, sent your exactly. way. Exactly. Now that you're and I'll in be the eating space. it all up. I'm like, yeah. give it to me, guys. Yeah. Give it to me. I like it. Well, let's uh, before before we get into the sound therapy and and the music of life, let's um, rewind things back a little bit and unpack kind of your your hero's journey, your yeah. your journey from um, being born in the Philippines to growing up in America to yeah. living in Canada for the last you know decade more than a decade I think at this point yes yeah I mean I did most of my growing up here we moved up here when I was six so okay yeah okay. I'm a Vancouverite through and through yeah there we go very yeah. nice there we go but yes I was I was born in the Philippines um to a very young mother she had me when she was 21 and uh she married my biological father yeah and um yeah you know I've never met him wow yeah so actually Fun, interesting fact. Yes. My real name is not May. Okay. It's a nickname. Oh. My legal name is Deborah. 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 My last name Globus is actually my stepfather's or my step grandfather's okay. last name. So we're here with Deborah. Deborah. Yeah. D e b r a h. Okay. <laughs> Does anybody and call you that, or do, uh, do you only the doctor? Only the doctor. Yeah. Only the doctor or dentist if they first meet me, and then I'll say, yeah. Oh, everyone calls me me May. But even my middle name is not is not May. It's, okay. It's Lynn. So it's quite interesting when you think of identity because yes. my biological father's last name was Cruz, C-R-U-Z. Yes. So really, when I was born, my name was Deborah Cruz, mm, which amazing. is so far off of what people know me as. And the power of a name. We just, um, we just had a podcast on the power of the name mm. uh, with Dala. And um, kind of makes me think, of, did you ever read the book Name of the Wind? No. It's like a sci-fi nerdy book. I'll, I'll I'll shoot you a note uh, off off the off the cusp later, but um, just how different names associate with different like powers and different uh, recognitions in a way like shifting from Deborah Cruz to May Globus like there's a shift of of power and yeah. and, and even how we receive that. Uh, so yeah, how did yeah, you get from absolutely. Deborah Cruz to May Globus? Yeah. So I didn't know that my name was my real name was May. Or sorry, my real name was Deborah until I was nine. No wow. Way. Yeah. So what ended up happening was when so my mom and I ended up moving to California when I was ten months old. Okay. Yeah. And so for the first three years of my life, I lived under the same roof as my grandparents, my mother, and my uncles. So that was sort of the the happy family I, I grew up with um, in my toddler years. Right. Yes. And then my mom remarried when I was three, I think. 
And she was married to a Persian man for 14 years. Okay. Wow. And so I grew up in a very Persian household for wow. 14 years. Interesting. So okay. Farsi is, is really like a warm blanket when I hear it. And I can say very minimal phrases. I can count to 10. Yeah. But I, I grew up with that culture around me. Wow. Yeah. So interesting. So you had more of a Persian, up, well, a mixed between no i wouldn't i wouldn't say a mix so maybe i'll take it take it back a little bit okay so when when we moved to california my mom and i i only knew how to speak tagalog so english wasn't my first language okay but when i went to preschool then my mom had to teach my teachers a few words or else they wouldn't know what i wanted if i needed to go to the bathroom yes etc wow yeah but then i learned english pretty quickly yeah, yeah. so it's it up. yeah and it's so it's been really interesting for me to i think in these more recent years begin to look back on all those different identity things yes because yeah like i again tagalog feels like a warm blanket yeah but i can't speak it fluently interesting okay. but i wish i i knew can you still understand to. some of it when you when you hear very, people speaking? Or? Very, very well. Yeah. Again, it just feels very, very Makes comforting. you feel good. And it's interesting because I did ask my family to start speaking to me again in Tagalog. Yeah. And they said English is easier. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah, there's, there's an interesting thing about being an, an immigrant. Oh, yeah. And what language can mean. Oh, for sure. And, and even like, you know, we... We try to avoid projecting stereotypes or preconceived notions or any of those things. But, you know, just even saying like you grew up in the Philippines, like you have now shared that you had more of a Persian upbringing in many ways than than, than, than that of growing up in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you could project one thing and the truth is far from that. And yeah. it's um, yeah. a good lesson for us to, to remember when we're, yeah. you know, approaching people from various cultures mm-hmm. yeah and you know um with my now ex-stepfather um he didn't want us to have any filipino culture in the house so the persian culture had to be the most dominant okay and so we only grew up eating persian food we were pa- practicing the baha'i faith okay back then okay yeah and then um so yeah Almost being a Filipino and practicing, like eating the food, for example. My mom used to have to sneak us on the weekends and take us to Filipino restaurants downtown. Wow. Yeah. And that's such a huge part of Mm -hmm. Filipino culture is the food, right? Like all of my friends that I remember growing up, one of my good friends, Carlo Capitulo, like his thing was like, come and eat. And his mom was always like, eat. And it was such a huge part of that culture and is, right? It it is. And so it ended up being more of a treat rather than something that was really like a, hmm. a part of me. Interesting. So did you reconnect with those Filipino roots or our family, like ancestral history, like further in your life? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, as being, you know, someone of another culture growing up in North America, you're taught that, you know, it's better to be white. So I actually hmm. was, was talking about this with a couple of girlfriends who are also Asian and, and, Grew up this way too, thinking that being Caucasian was better. Yeah. Being white was better. Um, I actually, in my teens, subscribed to this magazine called Banana, which would never exist now. Yeah. Right? Yellow on the outside, white on the inside. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that being like a saying in high school. Yes. Like people, yes. 
growing up in Richmond, like big Asian community, I remember people saying that, oh, I'm banana. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's a, and a category of, of how, it was like, how Asian are you? Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first was like, what? It's like one of my friends in elementary school explaining, oh, like if you're like born here or lived here for a long time, like you're more white, even mm-hmm. though you're like yellow. Yes. And I, uh. Like it's just such a weird way to be projected upon as category, mm-hmm. but like also internally to say, oh, he's not a banana, but like I am. Yeah. And I, yeah, I remember, I can distinctly remember that conversation in elementary school happening and being like, what? Like, cause again, in my child brain, it was like, no, you're both the same. Mm-hmm. Right. Which probably at that point was like different than yeah. what it means to be like from here. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been really interesting. And mm. I would say that reconnection back to my Asian roots or my Filipino roots is definitely something I have done later Mm. in life. Okay. Yeah. And I think it really helps having friends, you know, Dixon Lee, Pearl Lam, and, you know, they're really, really proud of their Chinese heritage. And so I think spending time with people who are Mm -hmm. proud and and they are ones who are um, trying to educate others on what it means to be Asian or Chinese really helps you like at least me feel like oh yeah like this 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 is something to have to have pride in 100%. and mm-hmm. it's uh so uh, fun fact nerdy fact yeah i love anime and okay. so so um netflix recently released uh, a filipino anime oh, that's yeah cool. called treze okay and it was so cool to watch it because it made me realize how much folklore and mysticism that the Filipino culture has and the show taught me what some of these mythical creatures are that everybody in the Philippines knows about. Okay. You know, it's, they grow up knowing like, yeah, these are what these spirits do. These are where these spirits live, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, it was, it was interesting. And then again, you have a choice in watching anime. So anime is often made with the original language or you can, you, you can choose the English dubbed version. Yes. And so I, I never do. Like if I watch something foreign that's recorded in foreign, I, so I watched it in Tagalog and it was so, so interesting. Oh, that's awesome. So I, What's I the learned. name of it? It's a Treze, T-R-E-S-E. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just and it's case. actually just a good anime if you, if you like it. Oh, I love, yeah. love me some anime. Some mm-hmm. of the voiceovers are so funny too on like some of like the uh, Miyazaki films and stuff. Yes. Like they have like fair like A-list actors. Yes. Like, yeah. Um, like. Yeah. Who is that? Billy Bob Thornton or is that Miley Cyrus? Or, <laughs> yeah, reading you know. Yes, and actually the English ver- version of Treze, they they picked, um, you know, popular Filipino American actors, so like Shay Mitchell, okay. Darren Chris, cool. et cetera, et cetera. So awesome. that was really really cool. It's cool that you mentioned that though, because again, like you know, one of the experiences I have or memories that I have growing up was again one of my f- friends from the Philippines telling me. Uh, like very convincingly and I was like skeptical was saying like oh yeah like when you go to the Philippines there's like all kinds of like spirits and like ghosts like and it's just like part of it and I was like what are you talking about and he was explaining like and it would have been that like that folklore so even in this moment I'm like Mm -hmm. oh my god that's like what he was talking about as a kid you're like okay like it's like haunted there like but this idea of like it's tied to the place, the culture, the people, the history, the legend, the folklore. Yes. That's, wow, that's So ingrained, yeah. yeah. And then now there's like this anime show that yes. like really goes a I next thought, level on it. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Oh, I really crazy. think it's awesome. And I really think that 
you know, more of these things that teach the culture, teach others about other people's culture mm-hmm. in ways that people enjoy consuming. Yeah. Amazing. Beyond like a multicultural day at school. Exactly. Or like, oh yeah, no, I like ate at this restaurant. So like I'm good. I've checked my box yeah. of like being an anti-racist or multicultural inclusive. It's like, it goes beyond yes. that. Like part of it is learning and experiencing culture. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So it's Crazy. Really cool. what, a, what, a, what a unique uh, opportunity growing up to have such a such a blend and mix was it something that in the moment you felt uh good about or was it like kind of like confusing and like this desire to blend in more um no it just was what what was you know and i think at that point you're not really questioning these types of of things you're just kind of you're you're being a kid, you're in school, you're trying to, to fit in. And yes, little things are kind of weird, like having a smelly lunch. You know, you'll mm. hear that immigrant story all the time. And it was true because my mom would pack Persian food. Right. And it was interesting because she became an incredible Persian cook, better than any of our Persian, you know, you know um, family friends. Yeah. And, but it's interesting because she had to also lose that other side of her mm-hmm. in order to, to pick this up. Mm. But yeah, no, she's a damn good Persian cook. Yeah. So uh, that's what I would bring to school. And uh, if you've ever had Persian food that's beyond, um, you know, like the barbecue meats and things like that, it's actually really rich and um, full of spices. And, you know, it can be very pungent yeah. to, yeah. you know, a, a young kid or, you know. <laughs> Peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smells like a dusty cupboard. Yeah. Like, well, it doesn't smell good. I know. Right? <laughs> Yeah, give, give me the give me the allspice and the, yes. all of the you know yes. those Sp- spices oh, up. Man. Yeah, love a good spice. Ooh. Okay, yeah. so so growing up, um, what was young young little May like? What were you into? What was mm. your what was your childhood like? Um, you know, beyond the 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 Persian spices and yeah. uh, all of that. I was really shy. Yeah, yeah. I was um, a really quiet and observant kid. Yeah, uh, I I do think that I had a really wild imagination. Yeah. So you could leave me anywhere and I could find, you know, fun out of anything. Um, so sometimes I'd make, you know, clothes for my Barbies. I once stapled my thumb because I was trying to make her <laughs> one of my Barbies a mini skirt out of fabric. And um, But I was also a, a really voracious reader. Okay. So I think that kind of lends to that creativity, escaping to, to other worlds. Loved reading, loved writing. Okay. So I actually had... Um, this, you know, the three ring, the three ring binders from yeah. you know back in the day, um, and I had stories in there. I, and I actually had uh, written on the side of it May's little blue binder. Yeah. And I had loose leaf paper in there, and I would write stories, and I would put it in there. So a writer ever since I was a kid, um, and that that went on into um, my teens, and English was my strongest subject, and. Um, and that's what I did in university too. After the, after the, re- the requisite, you know, your parents want you to be a doctor. So when you get to university, you're in sciences Yeah. and you're like, Oh, this is not what I want to want to do. And yeah. that's what ended up happening to me at UBC. Um, the day that I was, uh, the day before I was supposed to start classes, I just sat with myself and I was like, being a doctor, I don't think this is my dream. Maybe, and maybe Deborah Cruz. <laughs> maybe Deborah Cruz's room. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I, I ended up 
going to the admissions office and saying, hey, like, can I switch my majors because I actually don't want to be in science. I, this, I don't think it's for me. Wow. And the kind lady said, you know, and I guess she just heard me out. And um, she said, we never do this. Um, so last minute, but okay, we'll let wow. you switch. Wow. Yeah. That's Good for cool. you for listening to your, your gut and your intuition there too, because I yeah. think a lot of, a lot of people, you know, you talk to them and you're like, oh, I took this degree. I don't know why. Or like they didn't, they took something because they, they thought about an outcome that was never for them instead of just following what mm. lit them up in a way. Thanks for saying that actually. Cause, um, I guess I've never really thought about that intuitive for action. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I do believe that I'm a quite an intuitive person. So maybe those were just like the inklings of it starting to, those moments. to grow. But, um, I, I definitely operate life in, in that way. Um, you know, what am I curious about? Like, what do I really love to do? And yeah, I, I would say that my life journey slash career path has been a re- reflection of that because I've gotten to do a lot of different things. And all of these things led me to another thing, either by giving me a skill set or introducing me to somebody who gave me a chance, you know, mm-hmm. in the next step, even if I wasn't, you know, the one who was qualified for it yeah there's that 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 generous uh admissions person all the way along right yeah sure okay well you change your course we don't normally do this yeah who who are they in the next iteration right Mm -hmm. is that that person you're introduced to and they say oh yeah no this seems like a great connection like let's whatever and it leads to like the next thing exactly but i think that 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 intuitive nature as a young person uh we don't often we don't often tap into it mm-hmm. or we quickly then downplay it. If there is that kind of sense of like, I don't know if this is for me, but then yeah. it's like, these are the expectations of family and society, whatever. I got to do the thing that's going to like make me the most money. And then mm-hmm. people go down that path. We all know, you know, people like that and they can be happy and fulfilled for sure. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's a point where they're like, this is, this is not the life that I thought I would live or actually yeah. want to live. But now you're, 40 mm-hmm. and in a career that you're like sure it pays the bills and then some but like I actually but my soul is dying every day <laughs> you know and yeah. it's yeah and you know I had to bump up against that with my own family too who were like well you know you should get a corporate job it's it's safe they have benefits and you know it comes out of love they just want mm-hmm. to make sure that you're you're okay um and I had to learn to be okay with not you know, always wanting that. And, um, Zach, as, as you know, I did end up taking a corporate job. Yes. Um, and it was a chapter, you know, I'm so grateful for that chapter. So, um, about 10 years ago, I met a man named Bob Rennie when I was still freelance writing and, uh, I had an interview with him, um, because he's also, so he founded a real estate company called Rennie, um, and he's also really pro- prolific contemporary art collector. Okay. He's like the biggest like private art collector in Western Canada. Or yeah, something I like think that. in North America. In North America. Yeah. And, you know, he's, there we go. Yeah. He's, he's very, um, you know, quiet and humble about it. But I, I, I do think that he's probably one of the more powerful art collectors 100%. out there. And, um, you know, I, I met him because I was doing an article on him and his art collection. Okay. And I remember you know, 10 years ago when the interview ended, he was so charming and and generous with spirit and and time. Um, I asked if I could hug him and he said, of course he's a hugger. And so 
he hugged and then he pulled away and he's like, you know, May, I really like your spirit. And I will never forget that. Mm. And immediately I was, I was like, how am I going to work for this guy one day? Like, I want to work for him. And lo and behold, that's what ended up happening in this very roundabout way yeah. because I ended up at a, a social media agency called Love Social when it was still around. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I ended up there was I was so curious about the rise of social media mm. and it, what is this thing? Like, I want to understand it. And I knew this company, Love Social, existed. And I followed the founder, Azita Artakani, on Twitter and she had sent out a tweet saying they were looking for blog writers. And so that's how I ended up meeting her. Like, let me show you my blue book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's my binder full of yeah. stories when I was six. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so anyways, um, yeah, she, she hired me as this blog intern. And mind you, I was, was the, in my early 30s. That was the maid that I met originally yes. when we first connected. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool, cool. And then she ended up needing, uh, she was growing and ended up needing a, a full-time person. So I ended up joining full-time and learning the ropes, learning how to be an account coordinator, then account manager. And then through that, um, because of someone she knew, Rennie became a client. And so that's how I met the rest of the Rennie team. And then eventually they they hired me. They, yeah. they kept on trying to give me job descriptions and yeah. I wasn't ready yet. It wasn't ready yet. And then finally the right thing crossed my table uh, six years ago. And then I joined for six years. Cool. But it, what I do want to say about Bob and we were talking about people giving you a chance. Um, there's a story that he always tells um, the internal team about his own life journey and how people always, um, you know, in his case and very luckily, always gave him another hoop to jump through. Hmm. Meaning like they believed in him enough that they gave him a chance. And so I think that's, I think that's so important. Giving and people I, the hoops. Giving people the hoops. Yeah. In whatever way you can, in whatever you're, you're doing. So you followed mm -hmm. this kind of course of intuition and, and following your gut um, as someone that's kind of followed that path. What does intuition feel like, look like? Taste like, smell like, mm. what, is, what does it feel like for you? Just a trust, like just an immediate Do you feel trust. it in your gut or like? I feel it in my heart, In actually. your heart, okay. Yeah, it's not my mm. gut, it's, it's my heart. Like I'll, I'll feel like a, a warmth. Sometimes I'll even feel words start to form in this kind of area. And I think just learning to, to trust that and trust yourself to make the right decision. And then also... If it doesn't happen to be the quote unquote right decision, that you'll know how to pivot. Right. And I think that takes that takes time, it takes experience, that takes growth, it takes looking inward to be able to hear that because there's so much noise, as you were saying, Dean, the expectations and the projections upon you. Yeah. It's so easy to not hear that voice, that intuitive voice anymore when there's so much that's pushing it down. Mm -hmm. That's not yours. Mm-hmm. I'd say, if I may add to your list, I would say it takes courage for sure. Because mm. you, it's one thing to hear and sense and kind of get an idea of like what this is. And it's a whole other thing to act on it, right? Because I think a lot of us can go, yeah, I've had a moment where maybe, you know, I felt this or I had this like intuitive kind of like, maybe this is the thing for me or maybe this isn't the thing for me. But then when it comes time to like acting on it and, you know, putting it into the world, 
then that's the moment where it's like you're stepping off the cliff mm-hmm. and it takes it takes a great amount of courage to mm-hmm. to say as a young person like i'm going to change my major or you know what like to to someone who is a someone in the world to be like hey that was really cool like that what we just did do you mind if i give you a hug like mm-hmm. and through that there's this connection made mm-hmm. impact made and yeah. i mean all of those things are kind of like it's, it's vulnerability and it's courage and those two are, you can't separate those two things, right? Yeah, and, and you you know, yes, it, it is sometimes like stepping off a cliff, but it's also taking a step toward who you really are Yes, is the other thing. Yes. Ooh, that's, I was gonna, I wanted to ask you a question that is from our friend Ellie Maz's book, um, mm. Girl Vanna. Um, who were you, May, before the world told you who to be? Mm. Obedient. Obedient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think growing up in the in the household that I did, so with my Persian stepfather, obedience in that environment was you had to be obedient or you could be in a lot of trouble and that's not trouble that you wanted to get into. And so you learn at a very young age just to be obedient, to be a a good child, to don't kick up a fuss, all of these things. And you learn to be that way. And then that's the system you operate from into your adult years. And then you need to just, you have to start unpacking that. Hmm. Um, Because, you know, obedience also sometimes means you don't know how to understand your own needs. Well, yeah. Wow. That's actually so true. Mm -hmm. Wow. One of the articles that you wrote that, um, we were reading before this, uh, you talk about the priority of career and having control over that. Yeah. And that's, has a lot of parallels to obedience in some ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, how did you break that? I think that I just had to realize that a, it was a pattern trying to control all of these things, um, and trying to, yeah, in my own way, in my adult life, be obedient to, um, what others seem to want for me. Yeah. And I just had to to realize that I was never going to grow if I was constantly trying to control everything and force my life in a certain way. And so I had a couple of good friends that, that were like, you know what, May, you've been talking about going to Bali for so long. I think you should just fuck it and buy a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Chris Harburn. Thank you very much for <laughs> saying that to me. <laughs> But yeah, so I think, you know, I could. I had a, a corporate job. I had yeah. paid vacation. It was sort of like, well, yeah. why not? Yeah. And um, where, I think... Where were you on your career at this point, too? Were you still with Love Social? Or were no, you with I, was at, I was at Rennie now. Okay. So this was 2015. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So um, that was actually the year after I started there. So... Okay. Yeah. And uh, I had never traveled somewhere by myself wow and so this was going to be a a really big journey for me this is a leap it was a yeah it was it was a a leap for sure because you know a lot of my friends um after university took a year off they took off a gap year and they went and they they went and traveled you know they backpacked and i think a part of me so had wanted to to do that but i think also was so afraid that if I went, what if I missed a career opportunity that could advance me forward this way? Mm. And um, yeah, I just had to to break that that line of thinking and know that if I went for twelve days, I'm gonna be okay when I come back. Yeah. So how did how did that taking that leap and going to Bali? How did that change things for you? Mm, I think that 
you know, it, it really showed me that I was a lot more courageous and brave than I gave myself credit for and the ability to move through discomfort because mm. I landed and I was so disoriented. I was like, my God, what am I doing? And thank, thankfully, my friend um, Isabella from Isabella Domachowski from yes. Is a Jewelry, she lives there. And so okay. at least I had a friendly face to stay with for, for the other, first couple of days. Otherwise, you went on your own. Otherwise, I went on my, okay. on my own. So it was nice to have her as as a support. But even then, I was in Changu and it was like super party. And I don't think that was sort of at first the experience I was hope was hoping to have. Yes. But it was necessary because that also had to push me out of my comfort zone. Like mm-hmm. meet new people, learn how to ride, drive a scooter, you know, like all of these different things. And um, after... Uh, about a week, I'm, I'm forgetting how many days. Then I was on my own. Yeah. Other than me and the driver that I, I hired who became kind of my driver and my friend. I love him. I still refer people to him <laughs> no and we way. still keep in touch. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And he taught me so much about the culture. He taught about me about um, the different religions there. He taught me some of the political unrest that, that was there too and how there's not a lot of democracy for them because... Um, Essentially, when it comes to voting, the politicians will often underhandedly be financing local thugs to force people to vote in a certain way. Okay. And so, yeah, so that was that was uh, heartbreaking to to yeah. discover. Uh, but the Balinese are just—they're so joyful in their lives, and they're grateful for so much. And I remember him inviting me and some other people that he was driving over to his family's home for lunch. And the reason why he invited us over was to thank us for giving him a job so he could feed his family. And the spread was incredible. His mother-in-law made it. And it just brought a tear to my eye because that's just so generous for someone who in our, you know, first world standards has, doesn't have much. Yeah. Yeah, could you imagine here if uh, someone that you knew as a driver or an Uber driver or taxi driver is like, come have lunch with my family, I appreciate you um, mm-hmm. supporting me and allowing me to, to drive you around. You'd be like, I'm not, I'm not going to your house. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you're, you're, I think one of the beautiful things when you travel is you're more open to opportunity and experience. Yes. And I think by breaking down some of those paradigms, um, like you talked about, like missing out opportunities if you didn't travel. I think in a lot of ways it opens up opportunities that your your mind might not have if you don't kind of take that mm-hmm. take that chance. Yeah, and I think I've always, you know, even when I was being obedient, yeah. I, I think that I was always a wanderer. Mm. You yeah. know, at, at heart, I I think that I'm quite free spirited, yeah. and so it allowed me to exercise that being in Bali and being uncomfortable yeah. and trying new things and being like, okay, I guess I'll go there, try that, eat that. You know, we went to certain restaurants where I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this would get a massive fail in, you know, in terms of cleanliness. Yeah. <laughs> but the food was was great. And Wyan, my driver, taught me how to do a blessing over the food oh, and cool. which he always did before he ate. And it wasn't just words, but movement. And it's just, it's so beautiful to understand how other cultures 
work, but then also see all the universal things because Wyan and I laughed all the time. And, you know, even though, you know, English isn't his first language, just to share that laughter Mm -hmm. with someone when you're not of the same culture is, it's, it's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, That is special. Takes down so many perceived barriers. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we're so different for all of these reasons, but it's like, actually, no, we're, we want all this. (laughs) We all want the same thing. We want love connection we want to be heard and and seen and that's it it seems really simple at the end of the day doesn't it and you know we've all heard this before but it's so true yeah yeah but those are those are the experiences that we have when we're open to them then we can really Mm -hmm. see them it's one thing to know it like Mm -hmm. i oh i know that's true it's a whole other thing to live it and then like know it at a deeper level because you you've experienced it you've seen it firsthand it's like not just some truth that's out there, but it's like, no, I've actually, I've lived this and I know it to be a truth. Like we're all in search of these same things. And I don't know, going back to your earlier analogy, I really like, it's like, how now can I hold out a hoop for someone knowing that we're all, we're all looking for these same things. Like what's a hoop that I could give them like their next hoop to jump through, whether it's Mm -hmm. simply extending an invite to come over for lunch. Right. Those could look like so many different things to open us up to new experiences and and new understandings of even ourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's a really amazing podcast that I listened to. This was years ago, and I, th- I believe it was Tim Ferriss, and he was interviewing Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese. Okay. And it was it was a great one. Um, but Gabby closed out with a, with a mic drop banger, and basically she said, you know, the way that she lives her life is always to just go first. So whether you're in an elevator say hi first, Mm. you know, and just always be the one to go first. And that's how we make connections, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. The willingness to step out Mm -hmm. and to be, yeah, be the person to extend the invite or say hello or spark the conversation. Exactly. And be willing to be open to that person being so joyful that you've interacted with them because that's usually what happens. Unless someone's having a really, really bad day. Most people are like, oh wow. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm up for having a, exchanging an interaction with you yeah. that's positive yeah well when i think of you may i always think of the first person to smile are you like you're very welcoming whether you're <laughs> coming for a juice or if i walk walk past you in the street you know you have this great big smile that kind of <laughs> gives energy much past yourself and mm. i think even even that is a hoop for some people like mm. just passing a stranger and and giving them a smile or exchanging eye contact or Oh, or something I, like that. I hope so. I, I hope so because I think at the end of the day, the day that we die, and I've, I, you know, I, this is something that I thought about a long time ago. It's like, well, what will matter to me most? And it's not going to be my different jobs. It's going to be the relationships I, I had, mm-hmm. you know, and, and did I love and was I loved in return? That's it. Hmm. So. And it, does, it doesn't, like you said before, it doesn't, take much like we don't need we don't need many things no. to do that it's no. people it's connections yeah 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 you uh you wrote um for jackie jackie kyalis friend of the pod <laughs> you wrote on uh for her for one of her blogs yes. a piece about uh, your travel in in bali yeah and kind of how the experience of being open to new people and new environments really did um have a big impact on you and i think i think we're we're definitely there we're 
but is there something, um, there's a cool story that you talked about that involves some like ritual. Um, oh, yeah. Can you share that? I think yeah. that's a really beautiful one. When I, when I read that, I was like, oh, I, I kind of want to know oh, more about the temple? this. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, this, this actually worked out really perfectly. So when Wyan dro- drove me to Ubud, um, he was like, you need to go to the, the water temple. It's like, that thing to do. You need, you need to go there. Um, he said, but he, and he called me Miss May all the time. He's like, Miss May, but don't go now. He's like, go in the morning. Um, because it'll be less busy. And I'm really glad he told me that because I did. I, uh, he wasn't available to drive me the next day. So I hired someone else and he took me to the temple and I think it was just before eight. And I got to experience doing the water ritual in the fountains there with the locals. Mm instead of tourists and right. actually when i was done all the tourists started to to come the buses arrived and yeah the experience would have been much different it would have been much much more different and so yeah there are two different pools and all of the pools have um a, a number of of fountains and they're spouting water from the wall and the um the man who's sort of running the temple there's a few a few people who are around who will tell you how to do the ritual and you're essentially cleansing yourself you know you're you're putting your head under the fountains and you can just feel when you're there um there was just this I don't know how to describe it other than I'm spiritual but I'm not particularly religious but it was just so holy in there it was Mm -hmm. really divine and to have that and then to be in the pool and to feel like I was cleansing myself and you know, letting go of old rituals and also also letting go of any sort of like preconceived notions. So one of the parts of, of the water ritual was you had to scoop the water and put some of it in your mouth. And I was like, how many bodies have been in here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if I was going to really let myself go and do this, yeah. then I was going to have to get, quite Surrend- frankly, get over it. Surrender yeah. to it. And just surrender to it. And so... Really, and I think maybe I said it in some way, shape, shape or form, it, it just felt like a, a rebirth mm, in, mm-hmm. in that water. And, and, you know, water is so cleansing and, and healing. Yeah. So oh, yeah, cool. just and to even do that. And at the very end, I noticed that there was a long lineup of locals that were in front of this particular water spout and they had plastic jugs empty and it was because um, this, the water coming out of this particular fountain was considered blessed. And mm-hmm. so they were all filling it up to bring home. That's amazing. Yeah. And so to experience that with not a lot of noise and with the people meant, meant so much. There was just, um, yeah, it was just really wonderful to like watch and, and experience. And I think too, when I was on my own in Bali, I made um, a very conscious effort to book airbnbs that were in local villages and not in hotels Mm -hmm. because i wanted to be surrounded by the people and to run into them on the street and i have so many photos with local people and it's really really just nice i'll never see them again yeah but we got to share a smile and the kids were very curious and you know memories yeah these 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 really funny and sweet memories of yeah of the people there there's something that's well thank you for sharing that about the 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 water ceremony i think that's so cool and like mm-hmm. how it play it can in some ways it's like yeah, we take take a shower every day and mm-hmm. you know wash our hands our face whatever but like in a ritualistic way uh, the same kind of thing can mean 
infinitely more to us. Yes. So this, uh, I, yeah, when I read that, I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. Yes. Like, I wonder. So thanks for sharing that. Of and, course. Ceremony yeah. ritual is important to have in our lives. Yeah, you know? right? It grounds yeah. us. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like a super like staunch religious task. Because no. even in, when it becomes that, it can lose a lot of the meaning that it has and a lot of the beauty that it has. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that we're often, we conflate yeah. those types of experiences or things with like, oh, I, I don't believe all of that or I'm not part of that group or that faith, so I can't participate in yeah. those things. But like, I don't know. It's Yeah, to even have your, to your point, to have your own rituals, whatever that that looks like that ground you and bring you back to yourself. So for me, um, I try every Sunday to go to Spanish banks and um, where um, Spanish banks ends and the road starts going up to UBC there's another small little lot Mm -hmm. and so I'll park there and then I'll walk to the water and it doesn't take long but I'll just for I don't know anywhere from depending on how I feel 10 to 30 minutes I'll just be there by the water and just whatever I need to feel or think about or maybe nothing at all or or bring a book and then before I leave I'll always touch the water and Mm. I don't know and just to feel that connection with um nature and then also myself it's it's so simple so everyone can make their own ritual to help ground yeah 100 percent. like even in sports it can be a superstition or Mm. like uh like a routine you do before a game to calm your nerves and make you feel ready for a match or whatever do you guys have one oh i think i did before kids but now it's just like one of them will wake me up and it's just go um but I, I have rituals that make me feel good, like mm. running. Mm-hmm. I would consider that like a ritual in a way. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I think I've lost some of my Sweet. rituals, but need to yeah. tap back in. Mm-hmm. I think mine is, uh, I, I've shared about it before. It's, it's, it's pivoted a little bit uh, from, from what it used to be because of my coffee consumption habits. Mm. But uh, I still make either like a, like a Four Sigmatic, like, it's like a mushroom. Oh yes, coffee. I love yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I make one of those, or um, I'll do like a decaf espresso. And I share with Navi uh, on on the episode that she was with us, Navi Gill, about how like that whole ritual. That was a ritual for me in the morning. Was at first it was like I just need my coffee, but then it became something where I, in the moment, became very mindful that this simple act mm-hmm. is an immense privilege because mm-hmm. I have like electricity and fresh hot water like right there that I can just fill up and get. And then these beans that are like carefully roasted by someone, you know, in East Vancouver who this is their passion Mm. and they were grown, you know, someplace far off. And depending on where you get your coffee from, you can actually know. So rather than just like without thinking, go through the process of like, I just need my coffee to actually be intentional about each step, being grateful and expressing gratitude that I have clean water, that I have this like, amazing bean in front of me or packet of amazing Mm -hmm. (laughs) beans and mushrooms or whatever but now so we got rid of our electric kettle because they're just ugly and gross (laughs) and have this like beautiful one that sits on the stove with the gas range and so most not every but most mornings for me the ritual is filling it up and like waiting the two minutes or whatever it takes for it to actually boil rather than just trying to like put it on and then when it starts whistling at me, then I know I have to go get it, but actually sitting with it. And so I'd say for the last few 
above a month and a half or so, that's kind of been my thing where I'm like, no, take this time. Mm. It's quiet. It's morning. Like just be here now with this and whatever comes up, I can deal with in that like 90 seconds or two minutes. So that's kind Uh, of mine. I love what you said also about, I mean, you were talking about the macro level of being grateful, but also grateful for the people along the way who've created this product that you're able to enjoy. Oh, I think that's like another level deep. That's so lovely. Yeah. It's yeah. wild when we think about the, everything we use day to day, like how many, how many people have been involved in that thing once we pull it out of our cupboard, right? Mm. Like there's so much human connection, even in just the day to day stuff we consume that. You take it to the origins, you to, know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. table. It was, you know, a tree that somebody cut down that went to a mill that someone processed, that went to a craftsman, someone put together, that went to a store someone did sales on yeah. that you know went yeah. to a delivery guy that brought it here like there was such a a journey, journey. and you can apply that to any mm. anything we actually yeah. made, made this table but that's okay did you, <laughs> you cut the tree yourself <laughs> well no 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 Car- carried it down carried, yeah. i love that lumberjack yeah. well you know I, th- I think that it's yeah it's it's nice to think about all those steps because actually each object has so much life that was infused yes. mm. into it yes. Mm. And energy and, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, even going back to the water with, when you were mentioning the, the blessings, people taking the blessed water with, with, uh, with them and you mentioning you're not necessarily religious, but spiritual, but thinking about water is this like holder of energy. And even if we're not religious, but we believe that the, someone else that's religious blessed the water, that idea, that placebo alone will bring intention to the water. Oh, of course. That'll and do bring energy yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even if you think about someone blessing the water and um, uh, someone was telling me, it might have been Jeff Hamada, actually, that, mm. that told me about, um, was it f- uh, water, f- frozen water, and um, with one set, um, like the, the, the study the, was someone talked to it yes. nicely and positively. Yeah, have you seen and that? He, no, I haven't oh seen it. Oh, my gosh. It. Well, like, think about that even just with like the, the water that's being blessed and then you're ingesting it. Yeah. It's like, oh, those those good frequencies and vibrations are going into your body. Yeah. So that's that's what you want. Yeah, 100%. A study yeah. that you, I, I've seen some of it and it's really cool. Like, um, so this if you were speaking positively to the water, it would kind of, uh, if you looked under like um, uh, zoomed it in, you know, a million times, it'd be these like kind of beautiful snowflake like mm. kind of uh, patterns and stuff but then if you were like aggressive or negative it was like very like almost destructive looking under um you know when it was zoomed in so just yeah. like applying that energy to water can change the experience and then you can kind of zoom out and apply that to everything like mm-hmm. you talked about blessing your food um with the family in bali mm-hmm. um you know bringing that energy to growing food um or are yeah. the sounds that we hear? Yes, are the sounds. Yeah, and and when I was taking my sound sound therapy certification, our voicing teacher was talking to us about the um, the importance of a voice. Yes, and how we need to be intentional and mindful of how we speak to others because that that frequency in which you speak to someone else, if you're yelling at them, if you're stressed out, that does affect a person's body on a molecular a molecular level yeah and so we that's why we really do have to be mindful about how we we speak to others even our tone Mm -hmm. 
our cadence. Oh yeah. It all factors. It I think all we forget in. like how powerful our our not just speech because speech makes it more, but like content. Mm. But our sounds, mm-hmm. like the things we say and how we say them, like literally it goes out from us and impacts other people. Like they can hear it, they can feel it, they, they can, can sense it. it. Like someone can say three simple words and it can ruin you, give you like goosebumps. You can be the most elated you've ever felt. And it's like, it's not just the content, but mm-hmm. it's like how it's said or what yeah. is being communicated through it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, in in my tradition, like I am come from like a Christian background and... I think that so often the the picture we have modernly is like, you know, this preacher like yelling and pounding a pulpit and scaring, literally like scaring the hell out of people. And with this message that's supposed to be like love and inclusivity and grace and beauty. And it like does not look mm. like what it should be like. It's not aligned. <laughs> no, it's not aligned. And the very origin of, of this like poetic mythical story that unravels how the cosmos was made was through speaking mm-hmm. and through words and through sound yes sound is what generated yeah. everything was it first there was the word like i think we learned this in sound therapy as well when we were listening when we were learning about the history of everything yes. that every religion um it like the beginning of everything came down to some form of sound yes the logos in in greek it's like the logos Mm. or like it's rough translation be like logic but it's like the word Mm. right Mm -hmm. and and it's so beautiful because even in the in the tradition of christianity jesus people view as god and this mythical author john who wrote one of like the gospels or the biographies about jesus he calls calls him the word Mm. the word Mm -hmm. of god and so it's so interesting because so many people be like no the bible is the word of god i'm like no 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 (laughs) that's like a whole bunch of stories and like compiled interesting facts about it but like if you read it which most never mind but (laughs) if you actually took time to read it you'd see that like jesus was called the word Mm. of god and so it's this manifestation of this sound of this speaking and so it's creative it's beautiful. It like, it generates. It gives life. It gives life. And like, mm-hmm. that's the intention behind it. And we've used it yeah. for that. And also, unfortunately, for other things. But yes, yeah. lots of cultures, you know, very, very similar kind of origin, you know, in indigenous cultures, same thing. Totally. Not, Sound. not an accident. Sound. Throat singing Words. with Throat some of our singing. indigenous people here. And Yeah. You know, and I've been pondering to just touch really quickly back on, on voice. Yes. And, doing this podcast, um, The Craft, and having people um, come in, tell their story, you know, give them the option to listen to it if they want to. So many people don't like to hear the sound of their own voice. Mm. They're like, oh no, every time I hear my I just don't like it. And I, I sat with that for, for a second with, with myself. I'm like, why? You know, it's in, in sound, in, when I was learning about sound therapy, um, we learned that your voice is this free healing tool and everybody has it. So for one to say, oh, I don't like the sound of my own voice, it's like you're rejecting, you know, A, such an essential part of you and, you know, being able to even heal your own self. 
Love that. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. So how did you, how did sound healing find you? How did you guys connect? Mm-hmm. <laughs> travels. Travels, travels again. Yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a long-winded story, so I'll try to, to make it short. Um, in 2018, I went to Japan, and I was okay. really, really excited. I have a, a really big spiritual connection to Japan. We can we can get into that if we have yeah, that's time. Good into it. Right. Let's get yeah, into I, it. Let's I, go. I did a past life regression. If anyone oh my has gosh. done that, yeah, that's let's go there. Okay. <laughs> but I'll explain how sound therapy and sound healing came came about. I was there. You know, this was a I really wanted to go, and then maybe three or four days in, I broke out into this crazy rash, like all over my body, all over my trunk. I had no idea where it came from. I'd never seen anything like it. Highly uncomfortable during my trip, but I still had a great time. Came home. It it got worse. It actually moved to my shins, and it ended up being this really awful-looking fungal rash. And so, of course, I went to my doctor, and uh, she didn't really know what it was other to other than to say to me, oh, it looks fungal and maybe it's something autoimmune. And it it was just getting worse. And so that was the fall. By December, I was really, really sick, like super low energy. And then my friend Emily Alden said, you need to see this traditional Chinese medicine doctor. He's literally two do- doors down from Rennie, your office. I was like, okay, Went to Beijing trading. He's a Caucasian man, Dr. Yeah. Doug Moore. And uh, he can speak and write in Cantonese and Mandarin. The whole Chinese community loves him. Wow. Emily um, was like, he's a magician. And so he looked at my tongue, took my pulse, and he knew, quote unquote, what it was right away. And basically he said, whatever it, whatever it is was either latent in your system or you caught it on your, you know, in the beginning of your travels. But what it's doing is it's between your blood level and your organ level. And we need to extract it out now um, before it gets too deep into your organs and it's going to become chronic. And so immediately put me on this, this tea, very strong tea that's not delicious. And I went <laughs> on it for six months. But obviously my whole system was I was stressed to the max because I didn't really know what this was and when it was going to go away. Will these teas work? And so I started thinking, okay, well, what can I do to lower stress and anxiety? And then I had remembered there was a place in Gastown called Zenden and they do sound baths and I'd sort of read about them um, before. And so I decided I would try it. And so I tried it and I was mind blown with how even in one session I felt slightly more recalibrated and so I decided that I would commit and go every week at least once and so I did it for about a year Wow! and so that's how I found it I think how it all came together for me was I have this this rule that I will always learn something new every year so one year it was learning Japanese another year was learning how to play ukulele another one was picking up a healing modality and Reiki didn't really seem to stick with me. Um, not that I tried it, but it just didn't feel right. Same with being a meditation facilitator. That, right. But then when, when I started going to sound more regularly and toward the end of it, I just realized this is it. You know, I, I grew up playing instruments. I love music, live or recorded. Just sound has always really moved me. And mm. so did these sound baths. And so I decided to take my certification. And um, luckily... When um, 
I was still at Rennie, uh, not this past March, but March 2020, and we all started to work from home. And so I decided I would look at, you know, different certification courses. And I looked in Vancouver, and I didn't find anything that resonated with me because I felt if I was going to learn this modality, that I wanted to learn everything. Mm. I wanted to know the history. I wanted to know the science, trauma-informed practice. So I found the Institute of Traditional Medicine in Toronto, and I lucked out because I didn't have to be in Toronto because everything shifted virtually mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. Wow. I could take the course online at evenings, in, during the evening and on weekends. Amazing. So that's what I did Amazing. in 2020. COVID silver lining, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you know, the podcast was already kind of coming together and then the sound therapy certification was coming together and... Yeah, in August, I just had a moment at work on a Friday on a Friday afternoon, and I said, "I think this is it. I think I think my chapter here is over." And so, went home. Uh, that was a Friday evening, and came back on Monday. I gave my notice, and I knew that I had to I had to pursue this new path. Wow! So that's that's what I did, and then I launched both my practice and the podcast this past January at the oh. same time. So amazing. So, and you're yeah. living into it. I'm leaning right into it. That's and amazing. you know, I will say I am so grateful for my friends and community because those, they are your, your first supporters. And so I've been able to, to grow in, in that way. So yeah, thank well, you. Even well, to you, you guys. Yeah. Well, we were lucky to experience one of your, uh, one of your sound healings. And uh, I think I mentioned to you before, like I grew up, my mom was really into exploring her spirituality and that showed up through Reiki and she had a, a crystal bowl and a Tibetan bowl that she would play. And um, through many phases of her life, you know, she would kind of heal. She, she'd be sending us energy and, you know, us teenagers would be like, yeah, yeah, mom, but we'd actually feel good at the end of it. <laughs> uh, until I mentioned my oldest son, Finn, he really liked the the sound, the, the crystal balls and Got a little too excited and cracked a few of them. Oh, no. so, oh, oh mama, a new uh, <laughs> singing ball. But um, can af- after we had the session with you, our whole team that was there was just like, wow, like I feel so relaxed mm. and grounded and energized, um, which can kind of be different directions, but kind of felt all those things. Can you... Can we dive into the the healing, the energy, yeah. uh, the science of sound therapy? Yeah, absolutely. This we can go in so many directions, but um, the, maybe I'll maybe I'll start with my approach because I know okay. every facilitator has a, a different approach. And for me, I integrate all of these different things as you experienced, Zach. There's I always you know explain the the what I call the the art of sound therapy, which is the history, the intuition, then there's the science, so the quantum physics, the biology, uh, the brainwave states, and then the other thing I incorporate is traditional Chinese medicine too. And so when um, someone comes to see me one-on-one or there's a small group, I always send an intake form because I want to know where that person is at physically Mm -hmm. and where they are emotionally. So I have a full lay of of the land, and then that way I can, can address everything and so everything that I can obviously um and two I I participated in this um this digital retreat and it it was you know I was doing a sound bath virtually and I remember they called me a sound healer and I had a visceral reaction to it like I 
didn't my body didn't like being called a sound healer and I was like oh I've got to sit with myself and and see why and I think it's because when someone comes into into the space the way that I see it is everyone is their own healer Mm. I'm just the facilitator and guide through the modality but I like to give the power back to the person and I'm still learning too so who am I to say you know (laughs) that that I am uh, one healer um but uh so so anyways that's the approach it's a lot more integrated and then to go back to explaining the traditional chinese medicine aspect of it this is why i always ask about a person's emotions so in traditional chinese medicine all of your organs are related to an element um fire earth wood water etc but they're also related to emotions as well and so for example if your stomach is feeling like if your digestion is not really working, um, if you're feeling always like you're in knots or there's really tense in your stomach, the unbalanced emotion for your stomach is worry. Mm. And so there is a, a associated qigong sound that you can make and you hold your hand over the, the organ and you repeat that qigong sound to help bring that emotion back into balance. And so that's that's the the other thing that I, that I do. And I, I love that aspect of it. To go back to the importance of your voice, I, I always think that there's no better thing for your body than for your own body to hear your own voice trying to bring it back into balance. Mm-hmm. So that's why I really do encourage the people to voice with me. Right. And people, you know, people may feel uncomfortable at first, but I always can mm-hmm. hear that people get stronger and stronger as they make the sound. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so there's all different kinds of aspects there, so we yeah, can go down lots of different. Let's dive into all of them. Okay. Um, okay, this is a sub question that I just want to ask before we get into all the science and stuff. Is there like a sound I think of for myself, like rain in a forest, really calming for me? Mm. Is there like a nature sound that has shown up for you that just makes you feel good? Whether it's like oh. at the beach listening to the waves or the crunch of rocks at a beach or... What a great question. Hmm. Well, I've always really loved the the ocean for sure. So I will say waves. But um, I will say this. I was once in Tofino. Yeah. And I was on my own. I, I really like taking solo trips out there. And uh, it was it was nighttime. I was sort of in this transition from going from love social into whatever was, was next. And I was on the beach on a very, very windy day. And I could, it was a bit dark out, but I could see that the tide was way out. And for some reason I was like, I'm just going to walk as close to the water as possible. And I was, I was too scared to get right to the edge, but I was in the middle of like this really big beach and the wind was whipping around me. And I remember the sound of that being like I still remember it as in as I'm thinking about it now because um, that wind made me feel both in such a juxtaposition so powerful all at once, but also so small mm. in context of the entire universe. And yeah, I just remember that wind really did something. The sound of that, and this was not just a gentle. This was like. This is I a probably Tufino, should get to, Tufino, yeah. West I should Coast. probably get back inside. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 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 All right. So the sound therapy. Uh, you mentioned the uh, um, 
like the science of it. The, yes. uh, what was the word you used? A certain kind of meta metaphysical or quantum physics. Oh, quantum, quantum physics. physics. That's, yes, that's, yes. That's, can yeah. we jam on that? Yeah, for sure. So um, everything in this world is vibrating. Yes. So if you think all the way down to your atoms, those are at a certain frequency and, and vibration. And so we have this, and all of that is energy. Right. And so we are surrounded, and you know, I usually explain this in, in every session, this invisible biofield around us that, that we can't see, but it's always interacting with the people and the environment around us. And so the easiest way to explain is, is when you meet a new person or even just a, a, a friend and you can tell if the energy is off or not. And it's because their, their biofield is either in harmony and resonance with yours or, or, or it's not. Mm-hmm. And you feel it right away. And so that can manifest as, I don't really like that person's energy. I'm probably going to stay away. Or it can be, oh, I, I can tell my friend is not doing well today. Maybe I need to ask another question about right. how they are. And so that's sort of the, the energy portion of it. Yeah. And again, you can use frequency to bring your, your body back into harmony and homeostasis and bring your cortisol levels down your anxiety cortisol is is what causes you to feel stress stress, right yeah stress stress hormone hormone. yeah and again just using that to help your body completely relax yourself and and get your energy back into the place it needs to to be yes and um from a biological perspective all of your organs are operating at their their own frequencies and so if if there's an organ that is not working prof- properly and is off its frequency, that's where you can get chronic illness or you're really, really ill or you can get sick. And again, use sound and frequency to bring your body back into harmony or, or homeostasis as um, as we call it in high school <laughs> biology. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then uh, there's the brainwave states, which is, is super fascinating. Probably most people have, have heard of delta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma waves. And so in sound therapy sessions, people will either go into delta, which is sleep state, and it's probably because they're physically, emotionally exhausted, and their body, that's just, it needs rest. And so they'll fall asleep. (laughs) Um, But optimally, theta is where I try to get people into, and theta is between conscious and subconscious. Mm. This is the state where your body begins to heal and repair itself, and also where your intuition starts to come up. Interesting. So ideally, this is where I try to get people into. And you can you can guide people through the yes. practice to get them to that state. Yeah, so I'll use a combination of, you know, initial sounds. The other thing I do, and it's the, the first thing I do, is I use a shamanic rattle. And so um, this is why I ask people about their physical tensions. Um, shamans use rattles to expel negative energy but it's really good i find for also like loosening up those physical tensions and because it is very abrasive sounding i do that that first and i sort of get it out of the way for for people um and uh i'm losing my train of thought but yeah that's so that's the sort of the the first thing i do and then the voicing which helps again someone bring their body back into balance i'll also use smells So essential oils to help with that. And then I'll continue by getting the person to lie down. I'll continue um, putting them to a meditative like voice journey. And then they, we do four box breathing and the sound begins. And I just encourage everyone to let go and everyone's experience is different. Mm. And the reason there's, there is a very big reason for this and everyone's experience is different. You can have two people in the same room and they'll have completely different experiences with the same sound journey. 
And that's because if you think about it, everyone has their own life journey. Mm -hmm. This includes all the things you've gone through, all stresses and traumas that you may have inherited from epigenetics. So that's all trapped in your body as well. And your, your makeup, the makeup of your body, the chemistry of your body. And so it's naturally you're going to have a different experience with a sound. And I've never played the sound the same way because it's, it is a very intuitive thing. You, you develop a relationship with your instruments. You learn how to orchestrate the playing of the sound. I watch people's body mm. during the session too because it tells me, it can tell me about where a person is at during the session. So I will often find if I'm harmonizing a bowl, so I'll play one and as it's still ringing, I'll play another one and it'll create a harmony. And, you know, sometimes I'll see, see people breathe really deep, like huge breath. And so what that tells me is they're, they may be like letting go of something. And so I'll make a note in my mind and I'll ask them about it after to see what they can remember yeah. about experiencing at that point in the journey, wow. if they can remember. And That's then we amazing. try to connect the dots in the end if we can. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. So there's not like a pat, there's not like a set pattern. Like there's no, no. note sheet where you're like, no. play this bowl and this bowl. No, yeah. I just sort of am like, okay, they've told me where they're at. This is how I'm going to start playing. Yeah. And I'll watch their body. And then we'll go from, we'll go from there. That's so, so it's so intuitive on your part yes. too. And sometimes um, I'm not really, well, this, I, I guess I am going to be public about this, <laughs> but it's not something that I, I advertise, but sometimes to go along that intuitive, um, you know, pathway, sometimes I'll start feeling phrases or words start to kind of come up during the session. And so in the end, I'll share what has come up with the other person and they'll often feel feel like it resonates with them that's so, cool so yeah and what about on like the like so many different spiritual or religious traditions have sound incorporated them like mm -hmm. if you look at like the yogic traditions there's like the chakras and yes. there's sounds that relate to them like if i think about like this is just super surface level but if i think about like tai chi or very various martial arts i think of like the, the chi, the yeah. chi or, mm -hmm. or starting a ceremony with the gong mm. Um, can you talk about like the spiritual awakening or the energetic fields that different sounds can have on different parts of the body? Yeah. So, um, when you, when you find a bowl or you, you purchase a bowl, it'll often relate to a certain area on your, on your body. Um, and again, all bowls are different. So for example, I have, um, I have a crown bowl and which, hopefully everyone will be able to hear at the end when we do the mini sound bath, but it's a, it's a really big bowl and it's for the crown of, of your head. Cool. So this is kind of like, um, consciousness is, is the top chakra at the top of your head. And the, the sound is very, very deep and resonant, but you can also pick a crown bowl that's smaller and, and has a higher frequency. So, so there's, there's not like a set of, a yes. bowls that's like A, B, C, D, E, or, you know, whatever this, you know, there's all different kinds of frequencies and you have to sort of learn as a practitioner, which, which frequencies first speak to you yeah. and then start collecting there first. And that's something that, um, the wonderful woman, Denise from Niagara, um, bowls out in Ontario, which is where I fought, bought my first bowl. That's what she encouraged me to do. She said, go online. All of our bowls have videos on there and you need to determine what 
sounds and frequencies you like mm. first and then build from there. So I knew that I wanted a really, really grounding bowl first to start my collection with. So I have a C root bowl and that's very, very good for grounding. And yeah. I knew that I wanted that to be the foundational one. Cool. And then everything else just came naturally. I just would go into stores and play things and, and go from there. But yeah, each each of those bowls will correspond to a chakra. Mm. And then um, if anyone follows uh, Caroline Neese, who is an energetic, um, what I call her an energetic healer or intuitive, she actually works with allopathic doctors okay. to help them develop their intuition. Um, but she has this great chart that shows all of your different chakras, but also the organs within that chakra. And then also if there is, um, and then with all those chakras, there's mental and emotional issues. And this is what it can manifest like. Mm. So yeah, this is why I ask people about colors. Where were you really feeling it? Because maybe now I can give you an insight about what could be going on for you or I, I make that connection with what they told me and what I know about that area of the body. Right. That's crazy. Cause obviously, yes, different frequencies of bowls. We, we, we literally hear them differently, higher, mm -hmm. lower, whatever, but then how those way, like it's not just going into our ears. Like yeah. it's, it it's goes, moving through your body it goes through us. Yes. Right. And that's the, that's the thing that I, I'm so fascinated. Like, I don't know, one of these days I'm just going to like forsake everything and go study quantum <laughs> physics. Cause it, <laughs> yeah. it, blows my mind mm -hmm. the more i learn about it and how like we've studied how everything like even a solid table or a rock mm -hmm. it's actually just like little tiny things vibrating and they're not yeah. they're not actually touching like yeah it's all it's kind of like everything that we knew is an illusion like it's all just molecules moving really quickly mm. and that sound can like penetrate it all and i've heard somewhere and i was trying to i was racking my brain as you're speaking because something you said about like the the bigger grounding bowl mm -hmm. made me think of it and zach you mentioned like these different traditions have the same same idea different names for this kind of foundational hum of the universe yeah and there's somewhere i can't remember where the human it, frequency maybe that's what it is. it's like yeah, this, it's like the, the inner it's the, it's the resonance of the earth like yes. it operates at a I, I forget the hertz but yeah there is there is a frequency that the earth operates on yeah it's called the schumann schumann resonance schumann okay. resonance yeah. yeah and how like it that's everywhere yeah right and so people say like what is the what is the foundational thing of yes. like the universe and it's like well it's this it's this sound it's yeah. and the earth has one and like the planets and there's you know at first we thought space was like silent mm. but now they actually know that there are at, there are sounds out there and it's just a matter of like are we able to hear them and what are the frequencies that we can detect but NASA has like studied it and is like, no, no, like space has yeah. all kinds of sounds going on out there. Oh yeah. This is not <laughs> just philosophy. Like this is physics. So let's, yeah. let's talk about, you know, um, the sound moving through you. We're made of 70% water and water is a great conductor of sound. You know, think of whales and how yeah. they communicate and things <gasps> like that. So of course when sound is occurring to, around you in this, especially if you're in a room and it's, it is moving through you. And so you know, to take this another level deeper, um, today that on the day that we're recording this, it's the full moon in Pisces. And so oh, Pisces. Uh, are you? Yeah. It's so, gonna happen to me. Mm, well you think about it, right? We're made of water. Yeah. The moon affects the tides. So of course it's going to affect our bodies too, being mm. made of of water. And so, you know, chat with your friends around the full moon and they'll be like, I don't know why I'm so tired today. I don't know what's going on. It's like, well, 
Today's a full moon, so there's a lot of effect that the gravitational pull is having on water. You're made of water, so it makes sense. Yeah. You know? So there is there is so much science. And if people want to dive into the science of it, there is a doctor that I follow. Um, her name is – she doesn't – unfortunately, she doesn't have an Instagram, but she just um, – she just wrote and launched this really great book on sound medicine and it's a very long title so i'm gonna butcher it i'm gonna have to find it and just send you guys the the link for show notes but um her name is dr Kulreet Chaudhary, and i found her because i listened to a, a podcast and she's so well spoke, spoken she is a neurologist but um so she has this western medicine perspective but she grew up in um, the Vedic medicine tradition due to her mom. And so she now lives in India and she helps run a a Vedic hospital out there, I believe. Um, but to go to what you were saying, Dean, about, um, the earth's resonance, um, there are Vedic chants that, you know, these, this is thousands of years ago. And, um, these Vedic chants are supposed to mimic the frequencies of nature. Mm. And so she shares, uh, she shared one on the podcast actually. And, um, I've now learned the words and you, you eventually, um, move up to being able to say this mantra uh, for 20 minutes straight in your head. Um, and I will tell you that I notice the days that I don't do it. Really? Yeah. Well, even before we started recording, we were listening to the frequency of leaves from the old growth forest mm-hmm. and and um, just that there's a frequency and a sound from pretty pretty much anything that you anything. tap into. Yes. Yeah. If you think about it, like sound is, you know, molecules and atoms hitting. Yeah. So it, it makes sense that everything has its own frequency and sound because it is made up of molecules and, and atoms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Can you? So, can you talk a little bit on the um, the psychedelic side or the plant medicine side of sound? Like speaking from my own experience, you know, I did ayahuasca when I was in my early twenties with a shaman in in Peru, or even like being like a young guy, like you know, going to the planetary the planetarium and smoking some weed before and listening to like a Pink Floyd laser show, like the power of sound uh was transformative mm. and um these were combined with you know plant medicines or or substances or psychedelics but can you speak on like the connection mm. between the two yeah i would definitely say i'm not an expert in this and i'm continuing to learn more and more i do have people who ask me whether they can microdose on mushrooms before they come yeah. in <laughs> and uh <laughs> you know again it's not the intake form. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do maybe have a, a small theory of maybe why this this happens. And, yes. you know, with psychedelics um, and what I've I haven't done ayahuasca yet. And I, I do believe at some point I will. But um, as far as like when I read about it, um, the, the ayah, is it female? Is, is it supposed to be kind yeah. of like a feminine presence? I mean, I can't speak on the history or traditions of yeah. ayahuasca, more so just like the experience yeah. that, that I had. But yeah. um, okay, so probably. maybe my theory I mean, most, is most roots are female. Yeah. Like. So, uh, and other than being female, I was just saying that it's it's probably kind of maybe related to to Mother Earth. Right. And then I wonder if the um, music that or or the sounds that they produce are supposed to also mimic what 
nature or the environment is supposed to be like and maybe with a with that experience with the plant medicine and the sound actually creates that oneness that people feel mm. or that unifying kind of consciousness that yeah. makes sense yeah i mean again i'm learning more so i'm not an, an expert that's really just my yeah. <laughs> mind going off and in different directions yeah what I, know. I think like so many of our the experiences that we can have are can be heightened right yes by our use of different substances or whatever can help us focus on something it can help us if we're the type of person who gets overcome with anxiety or the thoughts it's hard to turn off like the spinning wheel of everything going mm. maybe that's a way where people can like tap in and and really like experience and hear those frequencies more so it could mm. be a combination of both things are, it could be like, this allows you yeah. to be open to be open to like what's yeah. actually happening. So I, I will share that I love to microdose mushrooms every so often. And, um, there was one particular night where I decided to, you know, microdose and listen to music. And I was just playing some of my favorite songs. And it was so fascinating to me because I was hearing notes and instruments and bars that I had never noticed before just heightened that awareness. It just heightened the awareness of all the other layers that were in that song that I've listened to thousands of times. Mm. Well, I remember the shaman that we were with in, in Peru. I mean, I was 21 years old, so my memories are a little bit, uh, you know, murky at best or yeah. like they've adapted to how I want to remember things. But I, re I remember him saying that ayahuasca um, just shows you what's possible. You don't actually need mm. the ayahuasca. It's just a tool to to show show you what is possible in the world and possible for yourself. Oh, to but break one, down the wall. But once you yeah. learn, you don't need the ayahuasca. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and I that was one of the many things that he said that kind of stuck with me. Mm. I was like, okay, like our perception of what's possible is so limiting. Yeah. One of the other things. I mean, this is going in a different direction. But I remember he had a small daughter. She's probably like five or six. And she was like leading us on meditation like before we before we did ceremony. And uh, he was saying that, you know, he teaches her that she can walk on water, but also teaches her that she can swim. So mm. he's like, we're so limiting in what we believe is possible in the West that um, we're not even... Um, from the get-go, from a young age, we, we don't even realize what we can do. Like, Oh, that yeah. is so fascinating. So yeah. just kind of breaking down those restricting, limiting beliefs. Yeah. and those boxes and categories. Like, I don't think we even know what is possible outside of those categories because it's so systemic in our, our upbringing of what we, the control of what we can't do, the yeah. obedience of uh, you know, what we should do. Yeah. Um, and I think sound is one of those things that can kind of break those those boxes open, those oh, barriers open. For sure. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we already use sound. We all listen to music and we all listen to different kinds of music to get us in different kinds of moods. Yeah. So I feel that sound therapy is um, kind of this low barrier to entry almost in a way, modality, because people, you know, they, they already are familiar with sound yeah. and, and music. And um what I what I also think too with sound is, you know, with meditation sometimes it's really hard to get to that place where you can just really kind of be in that quiet space. But with sound, at least there is something guiding you mm -hmm. to that meditative mm -hmm. place. Yeah. So I feel like it's it's just helpful for a yeah. lot of a lot of people to just get there to theta. Yeah, 
and even just like on YouTube, I've seen like people with Alzheimer's listening to music and having memories. memories. Or I even saw, I was watching like X Factor or something, this, this boy that had such an extreme stutter and he couldn't put a sentence together. But once he started playing music, he could sing. Yeah, he couldn't talk, but he could sing. Mm. Can you can you can you touch on the Alzheimer's or the stutters or any of those uh, kind well, of? Well, like... I was just gonna say uh, Paul Stamets, who is yes. the, the guy, the mushroom guy, the mushroom man, <laughs> um, the fun the guy, mushroom <laughs> man. Fun guy. the you know in in Fantastic Fungi. Do you yeah. remember the story he told about how he had a stutter, his, his own personal his stutter, own yeah, personal stutter, and then after doing mushrooms, it just ended up going away for him. And so I just, it, it's so incredibly fascinating. But yeah, I mean, with sound, because it, it, because it really moves through you and, you know, like how your body felt in that moment when you, you hear that sound, I, I believe you keep that with you. And so when it, the music is played, I, I think I know maybe which one you're talking, are you thinking about the video of the ballet dancer? The older lady who used to be a ballet dancer, no. she had Alzheimer's, Did and then someone played Swan Lake, okay. and all of a sudden she began dancing, oh, like wow. just in her wheelchair, just oh, the, wow. the army, she knew her entire sequence. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one. I was thinking of an, another one with an older older gentleman that they started playing like some music from the neighborhood that he grew up with, I think in Chicago, mm. and he started just talking about uh, like these childhood memories that he had. Yeah. And then once the music stopped, like he, they, st- they kept asking him questions and he didn't remember. Mm. But when they put the music back on, he was able to talk about it again. Like it triggered something in him yeah. that allowed him to reach his own personal history that he wasn't otherwise able to connect to. Mm. There's, I mean, this is, this is so fascinating and this is something that you're triggering me to maybe dive into. But I'm wondering if frequency and sound um, creates neural pathways in your mind and maybe they go dormant sometimes and maybe the sound again reawakens the neural pathway that's there it's just you know dusty and in vines that's cool you know so what it is it comes back to that that the sound waves and how those frequencies interact with different parts of our bodies mm -hmm. and brains so maybe it's just a favorite song But it's like and that's the emotion, something. that's the, the emotion, emotion that, yeah. that comes along with it. So to go back with how people experience sound, it's people experience it in all kinds of ways. So some people feel it really like somatically, like lots of like they can't feel their hands or they'll feel tension release. Some people will see colors. Mm-hmm. Some people will see memories. Yes, they'll see memories. Yeah, yeah. Well, even with music, like a song can come on, yeah. which is just sound, and it'll yeah. take you back to a time and a place and an experience and people that were around you, or you know, yeah. it, it opens up all sorts of things. Like, I mean, I remember like this is kind of really light and and um, you know not important, but I remember I was just had my shuffle on and a Savage Garden song came on, and I like oh, wow. <laughs> took me back to like a preteen dance, dancing with a certain person, mm-hmm. like, and then I thought of the smells and like, mm-hmm. then just went on this like journey of where I was yes. when that I first heard that song, you yeah. know, like, um, and then you can kind of go macro from that and think about like. Um, you know, even like the sound of uh, your mother in a way, you know, mm-hmm. like when I remember when our kids were born, like the the midwife being like, you know, let, let them hear your voice because they know your voice already. And mm-hmm. uh, Megan, my wife, would 
say speak like welcome so baby baby or whatever you know and they'd hear the mother's voice and they would crawl trying to get close to the mouth to the to the mm-hmm. sound and yeah because again the baby in the womb is feeling the vibration of the mother talking and oh, that yeah. that moving through the fluid and her blood and her body so so yes yeah i've had a few quite a few pregnant women who who come in as well for wow. sound therapy too and the babies are often moving quite a bit yeah, and not in an uncomfortable way. Like a lot of them will describe, like feels like the baby's dancing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. Well, and even I mean, that's so cool too. You think we've all been, we've all been in utero, yeah, and like mm-hmm. probably no like conscious memory, but to know like the first things we would have heard as our little like auditory canals were forming and there there was those pathways coming would have been like our mother's heartbeat mm-hmm. and her voice. And what she's saying and, you know, the different conversations she's having throughout the day. But just that sustained, like, you know, the the, the radar, the Doppler, whatever, like, yeah. like that sound. And then that you're just, you're constantly hearing the heartbeat of your own mother. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's mm-hmm. wild. That's a connection. It's like oh, yes. so crazy when you yeah, think about it, right? Crazy strong. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it is a fascinating modality. I'm really, really excited about it. And. Um, I'm really excited about all the science that's continuing to be mm-hmm. uncovered. I, and I really do think that for for it to be more accessible to lots of people is to have people understand the science behind it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, so many things that are like ancient practices mm-hmm. that have been around for so long and have been helping people for thousands and thousands of years. Like I, ha- I, I use this phrase often, like it feels like science is catching up. Mm. to where these different modalities have always been and for our modern skeptical you know scientific sensibilities Mm -hmm. that's important Mm -hmm. because they can come along and say oh we've actually studied this and like yeah it turns out like meditation is super good for you especially when they call (laughs) ancient healings like woo woo or like you know when really it has more science and more understanding and more history than so much more history thousands of years i was i was um blown away to learn that the egyptians had vibrational rooms in the pyramids where they would put people in to help them get better through vibration oh yeah or all of these so Mm -hmm. i've been fortunate enough to go and like stand in Mm. these different rooms and like it's unbelievable the sounds that happen in those rooms because it just and it's not by accident because, oh, yeah, they didn't, they didn't really know. It's like, no, that's not designed by accident that you can say something and you can hear it. And it feels <laughs> yeah. like you are speaking behind yourself. Yes. Like here, it's mm-hmm. the most wild thing. Yeah. Or they like built these, the pyramids. It's not yeah. an accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like cathedral, yeah. like yes. old cathedrals, oh, cathedrals or little like little uh, religious, mm. like, the, you know, I said about like on that show, there's those domes and mm. they're designed so that the sound can reverberate. Yeah. And it, it makes you feel like you are immer- you're in a bath. You're literally in a sound bath. You're immersed by the sound. It's all around you. And when you're in a space like that, you can't ignore how significant it is and how powerful it feels to hear whether it's your own voice or a group of voices or, okay, everyone, like, let's all say this, like, these phrases together and just, like, then listen to what happens. Yes. Like, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's incredible the power and the impact that that can have on you, even as, like, a tourist traveling through somewhere and like it's kind of a gimmick like listen to what this sounds like but it's amazing Mm -hmm. it's amazing Mm -hmm. yeah so I'm very very excited about it and I'm excited for 
more people to experience it mm-hmm. where wherever you are there are practitioners yeah you know so even before like this is a different direction as well but like even before going to battle or war people would have their drums that yes, would like yes. be sending out a, a frequency a vibration that was intended to Songs intimidate or chants, yeah you know? yeah so, yeah so sounds it's powerful sound is powerful yeah mm-hmm. there's a there's a, a, a one of my heroes rob bell and uh, he's a, he's a Rob Cast, and he had a she's a professional uh, violinist on 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 the podcast, and they were talking about uh, how sound is like beyond like our understanding. And and she went into one of these sound rooms with her violin and played one note, and there was other people in there, and so the sound just like reverberated all around. And then they asked people afterwards, like, "What did you hear?" And they were everyone heard like chords. And it was like harmonizing. And they said, yes, this is the way the sound was bouncing around this room. It actually like changed oh, no so way. that you were hearing like the different frequencies. So she just played like a C on her. Like, and then it created some kind of harmony because it, of the bouncing around. It like harmonized wow. itself. I was like, what? That, that just blew Isn't my mind. Wild? I know yeah. I'll have to find it. Yes, I was please like, I remember do. hearing that being like, that's, but that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like you need the other sounds to make the sound. So and people were like, whoa, we heard you play yeah. all these notes. She's like, no, it's just the one. Yeah. I mean, there are acoustic engineers who like build rooms specifically for, you know, yeah. these different yeah. sound purposes. Yes, so, right? yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so, so, cool. so fascinating. And, you know, sound also has physical form. So um, one of our teachers sent us this YouTube video of, of this person who had this vibrating plate and he would throw sand on it and then he would turn the frequency up or down and every level of frequency the sand would make a perfect shape like a snowflake and so every every sound has form (laughs) maybe that's what i'm trying to to say it has form yeah we we wouldn't normally think Mm -mm, that right no oh so so cool so for those listening that are like i'm vibing with this this is cool yeah um two-part question how can they apply this to their lives like immediately? How can they bring some sort of sound for healing into their life yeah. uh, and bring some action or some practice? Yeah. Some simple things is this goes back to that lovely question you asked about sounds that, that um, really speak to me. Uh, so I think everyone should, should figure out what that is. Is it going to the ocean? Is it going into the forest and hearing the wind and do that more often so that you can just bring yourself back to, to grounding. Um, I think continue to experience music and, um, maybe I can give you guys um, the different Qigong sounds that people can make as well to, and they're very simple sounds like ha, she, sh, and they're very, very easy for someone to put their hand over the particular associated organ and say it and bring their body back into balance. Again, that's really, really simple. Okay. So I think what are a one few of those, those three. Let's do it. Let's do a few of those Qigong sounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do, yeah, yeah. Why don't we do heart? Okay. So heart when un- unbalanced is anxiety. Okay. Um, but when it's in balance, it's love, it's compassion. So if you place both hands on your heart... And close your eyes, deep breath in, and out. And again, in, and out. And then whenever you're ready, you can join me. 
songs to make out to or it's like (laughs) you know it's songs to read on a rainy day you know like they they know they know Mm -hmm. when they create those playlists what is the kind of music that is that a frequency to match that emotion Mm. that's cool that's really cool yeah 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 did did you ever um this i don't know why this made me think of why spotify took me here but did you listen to any gamelan or balinesian music when you're in bali or or since after um no, I think maybe Wine in the Car. Okay. Yeah, he played a lot of it. And actually, there's one that he played over and over again that I can still, still now I'm like thinking of it and I can kind of hear a few bars in my head. Mm. I'll send you a couple of YouTubes, like the, just like the percussion of all oh, of Oh, yeah. It's just like, and how it all works together. Like, mm. um, I saw one with like, I don't know, like 200 people playing percussions on different, uh, I don't even know what to call the instruments that they're playing because they're foreign to me but like the sound is just like yeah it it sounds like a dance party and like the coolest Mm -hmm. like spiritual like uh kind of soul moving way yes yes it's it's really really cool i mean think of when you go to a concert and the they and the musician has a live band with like the horns and you're just like oh and horns are always like bright and brassy yeah you know it really puts you in that that happy place for the most part you know depending on what notes they're playing but usually it's to elicit that everyone yeah feel upbeat oh yeah 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 so good so good there's nothing like i mean it's been so long since any of us have really been to a concert Mm. but just that experience of the sound and like where you can literally like you can feel it right because it's so loud you can feel the bass hit your body can like you're surrounded by it and then on top of that there's just like all the people Right. And there's some mm-hmm. moments like where I've been at concerts. I went to see at uh, Deer Lake Park, Sigaross. And they're like, oh my gosh. Yes. That must have been incredible. And it's like, you don't know what they're saying because they sing in their made up language. And it's just this, <laughs> is like, it Icelandic. Or is it made up? No, no, no. no. They genuinely like, it's made up. I'm, I'm sure of this. Is it? No, I feel if like we're offending Icelandic people out <laughs> no, there. No, but I'm they, sure it's made up. Sure I think they, I think they, because the, the intentional is like that it's, it's, uh, it's supposed to be like a soundscape where mm. you're not listening to the right. words, like the yeah. words and the lyrics. But now, now I will like want to <laughs> see if I'm like, all this time I thought they just like were making up these words. But did, did you make it up? Maybe I did. He's like, this made up language yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Shout out to like our, my Scandinavian yeah, friends. Exactly. Which Everyone in Iceland is like, who is this guy? Yeah. And it's so funny because I did like an ACAST thing and I was like, there are people who listen in Scandinavia. So yeah. hey, if you're a Scandinavian listener, sorry if I offended you. But anyway, the concert was amazing because it's just, you're there and you're taking all this stuff in and like nobody's singing along. Yeah. yeah. And it was the, it was so interesting how it was so quiet in terms of like crowd participation but it was probably the most connected mm. that I've felt at a concert with like everybody even yeah. in, when you've been like shouting out the lyrics to your favorite song or whatever this was just like we were all experiencing the sound yeah it was powerful oh yeah and to your point sometimes there doesn't have to be words it can sound made up think of indigenous cultures and mm-hmm. the sound that they make my um my therapist counselor uh Linda Nardelli she will often chant and she'll just make these it just whatever organically she feels that I need yeah and I will break down in tears every time because Mm. it's just so moving I mean I'd love to get to a place where I could do that too just sort of intuit what sounds a person needs to hear but it's incredibly cathartic you know to to hear that 
Where do you see your, your sound healing practice going? I mean, I think that I would, I'd like to continue educating people in all the different facets of it um, and bring it to just more and more people, whether it's one-on-one. I feel like doing the one-on-ones are incredible to be a support in someone's particular journey, um, but also to, to do it in small groups or at events so people can experience together. I think there's so much that this can bring to others. And if it literally is creating a, a good vibration in the world, that's all I can really ask for. And if that good vibration makes someone feel, you know, grounded in, the, in themselves, I, I imagine, you know, imagine how that person in that state will interact with the next person. And so it becomes this effect of paying it forward. I love that. So good. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's like a nice place to kind of land the sound conversation. Maybe we can ask you a couple of rapid fires and then we can oh do, boy. A, do a little... Oh boy, I didn't know this was coming. Okay. A little, uh, sound yes. session before mm-hmm. we uh, wrap things up. I would love to jam on you on past life regressions and stuff like yes, that. Yes, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's like a conversation to itself and we yes. can save that for, yeah. mm-hmm. for another time. Um, one thing that... Um, was a theme in your article about Bali was mm. um, standing on your own two feet. Mm. Can you share what standing on your own two feet means to you? Mm. I think, I think it goes back to what we were talking about it, about intuition and following that intuition. Um, but the foundation of that is being able to trust yourself. Mm. And so I think if you're able to trust yourself, then you're so grounded. You're you're grounded in both your feet, equally weighted. And for me, I think that's what standing on your own two feet means is, is trusting yourself in all aspects, in your decision making, in who you are, in, you know, your interactions with other people, trusting that those are intentional and, and good. And so, yeah, I think it all comes back to trusting yourself to be sure-footed. I like that. If there was a sound that you could learn whether it be from a tree, a rock, an ocean, um, what sound would you like to learn from our natural world? Oh, I think that the various crystals that are out there, I mean, there's so many, so I mean, hundreds and thousands, but I mean, I, every time I see a crystal, I, especially the raw ones, I'm like, oh my gosh, this earth made you. Mm. and you're so beautiful so i it always makes me wonder you know what they sound like are they very angelic and ethereal or are they really like deep and you Mm. know resonant they all sound like metallica (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure there's a few that do yeah yeah (laughs) It's really not not a question. The first line that shot through my head was "Obey, yeah, oh master." Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. no. Well, actually, um, speaking of, of that, it's just I don't I don't know why I thought of this. <laughs> Metallica. But, not Metallica, but the crystals. Yeah. So the bowls that I have are crystal quartz. Yeah. yeah. But there's actually more expensive ones that are actually made of like special crystals. Wow. So and they're often they're thinner, and yeah, they'll be like yellow or pink and, and they are made of these crystal. various very precious cool. crystals wow. so yeah. one day one day yeah, yeah yeah the crystal bath that'd be mm-hmm. very cool what's uh what's a book that you've read that has had like a significant impact on your life women who run with the wolves mm-hmm. yeah okay um, Chris, um clarissa pincola estes 
I believe that every woman should read it. And I also think every man should read it. But she is incredible how she's taken folklore from all different kinds of um, traditions and cultures and the way that she breaks it down and marries it with human psychology and dynamics and the way that the world is set up and how we should live. Okay. Add it to the list. Mm -hmm. As a fellow podcaster, what is a podcast episode or... Um, series that you think everyone should listen to? Oh, I, okay, well, actually, I'll bring this back to sound. So someone a few years back, I I believe it was my friend Christy Davies, she said, you need to listen to On Being with Krista Tippett. And I, she said, you know, her voice is so graceful and her questions are so thoughtful and, and they really, really are. And she interviewed Gordon Hempton, who is um, a sound ecologist. So he spent much of his life recording the sounds of the world and nature and just listening to him talk about it. I think I've listened to it two or three times. Wow. Yeah. And actually now that I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, I want to listen to it again because this is where I'm at in my sound therapist journey and see how I now relate to it i think you need to have him on your podcast oh that would be the dream (laughs) okay it's gonna happen yes Yes. it has been spoken now zach is very (laughs) good at at speaking things into being yes (laughs) um post-covid where you traveling Mm -hmm. to what's on your bucket list oh um well i have never been to europe so that is definitely there but uh i've always wanted to go to patagonia cool Mm -hmm. yeah so I, I do think, and you know, that was, that was sparked by watching, um, the Francis Malman episode on chef's table season one. Oh, I That's exactly that. what, as soon as you uh, Patagonia, I was like reliving that episode. It is amazing. It is it, just the way he speaks, the way he lives. It's not for everyone, Yeah. but if anyone should watch an episode of that series, that would be one of them. And then the other one, and again, this goes back to sound, is uh, I'd like to say it's season six, maybe, Mashama Bailey. Um, and it's, uh, she, has a re- she has a restaurant called The Gray, and it's in, in the South. And I remember listening to that or watching that episode, and the soundtrack, I don't know what about that soundtrack spoke to me, but there were parts where I paused and I rewound a scene just to listen to the music again. And I actually will, I, I found the composer and I actually emailed him. I never heard back, but I just wanted to email him to tell him how much not only did that soundtrack for that episode speak to me, but also childhood memories that evoked because I, I love musicals and um, went to a number when I was young. And there was something about certain sections that reminded me of the song Old Man River mm. in Showboat. Mm-hmm. And I love that song. And so, yeah, I never heard back from him, but I wrote to him anyways, just, just to say, wow. yeah, this was incredible. And so on occasion, I will, I found the soundtrack on SoundCloud and I'll listen to it. Cool. cool. Yeah. So oh, nice. if I just think if something, if there's a song or if there's an instrumental that speaks to you, have a re-listen to it and yeah. see what it does to you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you have do you have a favorite artist, like go to artist that you'll listen to if you're jumping in the car and you want to listen to some music or, or a song or whatever? Yeah. Um 
I, you know what? I like all kinds of music and I'm open to, to a lot. Yeah. Um, but I will say that there is this um, duo out of Brooklyn and their name is Brass Tracks and they, um, they, they play, yeah, they play brass and they've done some producing for Chance the Rapper and things like that. Okay. And they do some incredible covers of um, like rap and R&B songs or songs that you're f- familiar with. And they have their own music as well. And I just know when I listen to it, like how joyful it makes me feel. Yes. So very grateful that they're around because they're definitely putting some some good energy out into the world with their music. So cool. yeah, I've been really loving them. Have you heard the of year. the uh, hypnotic brass ensemble? What? Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> okay. a good one. That is so good. Okay. Those are on my running playlist and yeah. literally... Every time the song comes on, I'm just like smiling ear to ear. Oh, it's just so good. Oh, okay. Okay. You got to send me that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Okay. I got a couple quick ones then we can wrap it. Um, A movie or documentary that everyone should watch. Oh, I, this came right away. Do you remember the diving bell and the butterfly? Yeah. 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 Um, I think. That one, that movie is so, so incredible. It was um, Julian Schnabel, who's actually an artist, a well-known artist. I think it was his first um, film. And I don't know if he's done anything since, but the perspective of that movie where you're watching the world through, literally through the eyes, like the eyes of the character, like you'll see the camera blinking. Um, Like I I will always go to that. And then this is a bit more dark. but uh, Jim Jarmusch has this incredibly beautifully, um, like the visuals in this are amazing. It's called The On- Only Lovers Left Alive. And it's about these vampires who have been in love for many, many years. Um, but obviously, like the story takes place in the modern day. And they're both super into music and rock and roll. Okay. So they're kind of like these rock and roll vampires. Cool. Um, but like there's obviously a, a deeper, more intense story to it. But um, yeah, even though it's darker, it's, so it's very cool. Okay. Yeah. Right on. All right. Last one before, Dean, you can land us. Sure. Um, I think we missed this in the intro. Like we were talking about your, your origins and everything. And we're talking about Deborah Cruz, but we didn't land on where May came. We came, we got where Globus comes from, but where does May come from? I was born in May. So yes. Yeah. So that's, that's where that comes from. Essentially the story that I was told was my mother let my grandmother name me and, and grandma went with Deborah. Yeah. And my mom was like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And so just started calling me May. And then, yeah, I didn't know until I was nine. Oh, wow. So yeah. funny. Well, May suits you perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like a May. Yeah. But, you know, on occasion, my friends just to, you know, you know, give me a hard time will call me Debbie or Little Wait, D. What's up? What's up, Deb? <laughs> Little D. <laughs> All right. All right, Dina. Okay. You, know, you know the question that we close with? Oh, yeah. This is our closer. So, thank, oh. first of all, thank you for, for your time, for being mm. here, for sharing with us. Um, thank you for having me. Of course. So, we, we like to expand our awareness by having amazing guests on and then obviously our podcast a little more good we want to create that and do that in the world and we know that you're doing that through um all that you have to offer whether it's through the craft and the conversations you have there or what you're doing with sound therapy but we always like to know what does doing or being a little more good mean to you Mm. i think it means seeing other people and allowing them to see you 
because what a beautiful state to be in. And I think when you're in a beautiful state, then you can truly live an intentional life and going back to sending out good energy in the world from that place of being, I think that's doing a little bit more good. You know, it doesn't have to be anything grand. It's just something as simple as, as that. Yeah. And if that's what you leave behind, it's really wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. That's so good. Thanks, May. Thank you. Let's take a little pause yes. and we'll set up. And sound we'll bath time, Do a little everyone. sound bath. <laughs> yeah. Here if you go. can, find a comfy place to lie down. And yeah, you'll hear the vibe soon. All right. So get comfortable and we'll be back with May Globus in the sound bath. And if everyone can find a comfortable sitting or lying position, you can get into that now. And once you're in it, deep breath in and out. Deep breath in and out. And now you can relax into the sound journey.
There we go. Man. Tuned in. Tuned in. Tuned up. up. Oh, God. <laughs> we keep doing it. It's true. It's so good. What an experience. I hope I hope that uh, translated through that last little bit for you. Um, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience to be in the room and be present while while she was doing the the sound therapy. Uh, I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I felt like I was like in a lucid kind of astro traveling, Hmm. dreamlike, meditative state, total heightened next level experience just from uh, the power of sound. Yeah, yeah. When you hear the term like sound bath, yeah, and you maybe just think it's like sound and it's like relaxing like a bath, but I, I authentically, like I genuinely felt surrounded by the sound like you would if you were immersing yourself into a bath and you're surrounded by, like it was... It was weird. It was like I didn't know where good vibrations the sound was beginning and ending and where I went. Like it was like felt like it was going through me. It was wow. very, very cool, very powerful. So you can check May out. Um, obviously, her podcast uh, is amazing. Check it out at the Craft Podcast. Uh, follow her on Instagram at May Globus and also uh, Auto Healing on Instagram to find some of her sound therapy stuff. Or uh, check them out online at autohealing.com. So, yeah, she does uh, group sessions, individual sessions. It's just worth checking out. It's so cool. Yeah. 10 out of 10 recommend yeah. the experience. If you're curious about like meditation or breath work or any of that kind of inner work as a whole, I definitely fully endorse checking this out. Yeah. Yeah. Not only is she just such a kind, genuine human, but the the experience itself is incredible well thank you all for tuning in Uh, be sure to like subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast makes a big difference for us in in sharing this message and uh, we got some more exciting content coming at you next Tuesday so sending love appreciate you all peace Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.